happy are those whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. We can stop right there. <laughs> happy are those whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Happy are those whom the Lord imputes no iniquity, and in those whose spirit there is no deceit. While I kept silence, my body wasted away through my groaning all day. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. So. Then I Then I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not hide my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let all who are faithful offer prayer to you, and in the time of distress, the rush of mighty waters shall not reach them. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with glad cries of love. you and teach you the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Do not be like a horse or a mule without understanding, whose temper must be curbed with bit and bridle, else it will not stay near you. Many are the torments of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds those who trust in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in So Jesus, we come today recognizing that your steadfast love surrounds us. Thank you, Jesus, for your steadfast love that in season and out of season is constantly pulling me back to the place of communion with you. Let's just all take a deep breath. This morning, Jesus, we are going to choose to lay down whatever might hinder us from focusing on who you are. As we worship, as we listen to a message, as we pray, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would open our eyes. Open our eyes to see what you're doing in our own heart, but also open our eyes to see what you're doing in the community that's sitting right next to us. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus, for your steadfast love. Show us your faithfulness today. In Jesus' name. We're going to transition into prayers of the people this morning. I'm going to ask for a little bit of participation as we go in. So our Father... Abba, Dad, Papa, Redeemer, Friend. We come to you this morning. So, for the world and all those in it, I'd like to invite you to just think of a country or people group that's on your heart this morning. Lord, for those that you've brought to mind, we humbly ask prayers for peace, for goodwill among the nations, for the well-being of all people, for your glory. God, we pray for justice and for peace to be known throughout the world. We pray that your spirit would invade, that your name yeah. would be named thank you that you are the sovereign ruler that you are above it all and over it all Lord hear our cry for our nation for its people, for its leaders I invite you to think of a specific leader or area of the country that's on your heart this morning Lord, we humbly ask that you would be wisdom for all those in leadership. For every position of authority and power that's in our country, would you invade those leaders, their minds, their hearts, their wills? Would you have influence 
Would you shape? Would your will be done? Lord, would you make our country a people who humble themselves and pray that you would bring healing to our lands, that you would restore our hearts unto you. Lord, hear our prayer. For the worldwide church, you guys would think of specific bodies of believers. Father, we ask for all of your followers to be encouraged this morning, to be united this morning. We ask for a global desire to have a deeper knowledge of you. Lord, for a global desire to love others radically as you would and to see others as you would. Would you strengthen your body across the nation? Would you unite us in prayers? Would you unite us in beliefs? Would you unite us in worship? So we all cry, holy, holy, holy are you. Lord, hear our prayer. And for our local community and our local body, I invite each of you to think of somebody specific in need or just who comes to mind. So Lord, we lift up those on our hearts. We ask you to come and move as only you can move, God. We lift up those who are tired and who are weary. Those who are sick. who are poor, those who are in need, physically, mentally, spiritually, the whole beings. God, we, we trust you with them. We trust that you are big enough to take care of every single person that we're thinking, care, thinking of this morning. We thank you for the work that you're already doing in them, for the way that you see us, for the way that you love May your grace and favor be upon each according to your will and your wisdom. And finally, for all the ways that we've seen you bring joy and answer our call, we give you highest praise. Highest praise, unending praise. To you be the glory, unending. Lord, specifically in our body, I thank you for all of the sweet little babies that have been born recently, for the new life. You are such a good God. We give you highest glory and honor and praise. Lord, hear our prayer. In Jesus' name. I'm going to introduce my wife. She's going to come up and introduce our awesome guest. Thank you guys for being seated. He did say, don't get into talks <laughs> so I could get up here in time. Okay, so I have the honor of introducing Dr. Johns. So first I'm going to tell you the, the bio stuff about her, and then I'll tell you why I love her. Uh, okay, so Dr. Johns, she is a prophetic voice in the areas of the renewal of the church, care of creation, women's full empowerment, reenchantment of the scripture. If you know her, you know that she speaks out about those topics. She's passionate about um, seeing those things come into fruition. She has a 33-year academic career, so she's been a professor and in academia forever, writing and teaching. She's also a preacher and a writer. Her book, Seven Transforming Gifts of Menopause, guys, I kid you not, I finished it this week, and if, if I have a very short list of life-changing books, and that book is on it. So every single person needs to read that book. I, I promise you, you will not be sad about it. So, Seven Transforming Gifts of Menopause, and her new book, Re-Enchanting the Text, is coming in April. So really excited about that. Those of us who are 
huge Dr. John's fans. So one of the reasons I love Dr. John's is because when Josh and I were dating, Josh was in her class. And so Josh grew up, you guys know his story, he was often really misunderstood. And so he was, had so much passion in him, he had this calling on his life, he was gifted in so many ways, but there was so much brokenness that people couldn't, so many people just from when he was a teenager on, oh, there you are, I didn't, couldn't see for a minute, to, just didn't, didn't see that, didn't choose to see that in him. And Dr. Johns did, and I was witness to that, and what she spoke into him and how she mentored him was life-changing. I truly don't believe he would be here today if it wasn't for her voice in his life. She was the first person to tell him he was a good speaker when he got up in a class and sort of made it through his first, I don't know, sermon or talk. And, he, and she spoke that into him years and years and years. So we, I'm very grateful to her for that. I'm grateful for them for naming their daughter Alethea because that's where we got our daughter's name from. It's from their daughter. So, and then she is what I like to, I use the term warrior woman to describe this kind of woman, a woman who is fierce, authentic, passionate, and justice-minded. And she has become a mentor to me. I look up to her in so many ways. And I am just so thankful for her in my life, for her in our lives, and for her to get to be in our church's life is, is just truly a gift. So... Thank you, Dr. Johns, for being here. You are a family to us. And the other Dr. Johns, we're thankful you're here as well. <laughs> so, do you have a mic or are you using this? It's hit, he gets the credit. We were just dating a few weeks, and he came in from a Greek class and said, well, if I... Anyway, came in from a, a Greek class and said, if I ever have a daughter, I'm going to name her Aletheia. It was a vocabulary word that day, truth. And, and I thought, well, I guess so then, maybe. You know, that's a good word. It's beautiful. So that's how that beautiful name came to be. It's good to be back home here with Josh and Sarah and your family and the family at River City. I do consider you, my husband and I consider you family in many ways. And so it's good to be back here preaching the word to you and with you, worshiping with you. You're going together, right? You're moving together, walking together, leading together. And so today we're going together um, to a very sacred, ancient, timeless space. And I want to invite you to stand as I read this section of, of the chap eighth chapter of Revelation and this beautiful passage here. And as I understand scripture, scripture, as I've told you before, is not a flat kind of text. It's multidimensional by the power of the Spirit. So by the Spirit being with us today, the Spirit and the Word join with us today, and it's like a door that opens for us <clears throat> to enter a space. So just as I read this text, <clears throat> I pray that the Spirit will open a door. And we're going into a very mysterious space. And um, I'm always suspect of people who can explain a lot about the book of Revelation. They know it all. They got all these downloads. The latest download. And I'm like, what? <laughs> um, this is a, primarily a, a book on worship, and uh, many Christians throughout the centuries, it's been their worship primer, and <clears throat> it's a major theme in Revelation. As we sang the Revelation song today, it is uh, a book of worship, and it shows us the heavenly worship, but it also shows us how to worship, and I'm going into that space this morning. When the Lamb opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and seven trumpets were given to them. Another angel with a golden censer came and stood at the altar. 
He was given a great quantity of incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar that is before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints rose before God from the hand of the angel. Then the angel took the censer and he filled it with fire from the altar and threw it on the earth. And there were peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. Lord, I ask that you come into our midst this morning, that you draw us near to this throne, to this special place. And by your Holy Spirit, Lord, may we worship the Lamb. By the power of your word, may we see what we often cannot see. I pray that you would open the eyes of our hearts so that we might know, know you in such a depth that we see what cannot be seen with earthly eyes, what we hear, what cannot be heard with just our ears on this earth, but knowing and hearing and seeing all that you would have us to do today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I read a testimony this week. A guy was saying, I uh, just had several prayers answered that I prayed a long time ago, years ago, and I'd almost forgotten about. But obviously, God had not forgotten those prayers. We forget things, don't we? Like, I've lost a, a little clutch purse thing that had my keys in it to my office and car. Had a lot of other... It's just a little thing, you know. I don't know if fairies came into our home or what happened, but I have looked and... You know how you, if you're a woman, you change a purse in the spring, you know, you go from that to this. I don't know, in the process of that, I, I've looked, I will keep looking, but it's, it's kind of frustrating. It's kind of like, uh, where do all the socks go and to, you know, and Tupperware, well, the old Tupperware, the lids that you, you store things on, like you know that there was a lid to this piece, but it's, it's gone somewhere. Where do these things go? Where do they go to die or live? Or is there a space there? I don't know. And some of us are perhaps a little more, I'm looking at my husband because he's looking at me, careless than others. <laughs> You know, we lose things a little more frequently than other people do. Um, you know, I think I've got lost in, in almost every country that I travel in. And my kids have been with me some, and they just say, don't go with mom. You know, one time my daughter and I got lost for five hours in Amsterdam. I forgot to write down the name of the train station where we were staying. And all those Dutch words look alike. And I kept saying to my daughter, I know that um, <clears throat> where we are, there's a bridge and a canal. <laughs> she looked at me, she said, how many thousands of bridges and canals are there? So you should just maybe put a, a, a thing on me that says, if found, you know, here's the address to send her home. That would work. And I know that I'm probably not the only person who may have that problem. But thankfully, God never loses our prayers. He doesn't say, Oh, yeah, yeah, I, I, you prayed that prayer. I just found it over here. I had a whole bunch of stuff on it. Uh, I'm sorry I didn't get back with you. I just got preoccupied. That's not God. And another thing is prayer. Prayer is not just to get answers. Prayer is something much more than that. So there's a deep mystery surrounding prayer, and Revelation 8 gives us a glimpse of this mystery. We're at the time where there's just this great worship going on that we sang about this morning. Loud, uh, part, right before this, there's this loud, uh, ador adoring worship with all of the heavenly creatures and people from every nation, every tribe, every tongue, praising God. And then the, the last seal is, um, is broken by the Lamb. And then there's silence. For 30 minutes or so, the author says here, just silence. You know, silence, I think, is clearing. There had been this great drama, and now they're moving into, we're moving into another part of this drama, and there's this sort of a clearing out, a silence that is clearing out. Because we're in the season of Lent, 
um, I try to clear out. I don't, I don't even listen like to Christian music, which I like some music. You know, uh, <clears throat> I try not to listen to as much news. I try to clear out. I do better at sometimes than others. But what I'm doing is what I call Lenten silence. That we live in a world intolerant of silence. Can't take it. Like I'm walking on a greenway or I'm walking out in the woods somewhere and I see somebody going by me and they got earbuds in and they're listening to something. And I'm like, did you not hear those two birds calling to each other? They didn't. Uh, we are absolutely addicted to sound. And there are the deep sounds of silence that we are not hearing. And I believe Lent is a good time. You know, we're cleaning out some of our idols and our obsessions and getting maybe off of that chocolate addiction or my, my Coke addiction. I'm set free from that sort of too. So it's a time of cleaning. But it's also preparation for what's coming. And silence prepares. Silence is a preparation that we need to sit in. If you can't sit in silence, then you might want to ask why. Why can't I sit in silence? Silence is, uh, can surround you and wrap you. And I believe what's going on here in chapter 8 of Revelation is that kind of silence, a wrapping, uh, a silence that's deepening, a silence that's clearing. A silence that says something's coming. And not it's so deep that which is coming, there should be silence. When I get to a place in this journey of Lenten silence, the songs come. It takes a while. Because I might have been listening to so-and-so's music or whatever. And you know how a song gets in your head? You know, get the, and you can't get it out. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about something that starts coming from here. And I may be driving down the road and it starts coming up. It's bubbling up. It's a hymn maybe that I learned when I was a child. And maybe had not sung it in years. It starts coming up. It's sounds of... This, I believe it's the Spirit of God that is in me that has wanted to sing all along, but I have not allowed that. I've just sort of pushed that aside. But there is this river of joy. There's this, the spirit that we have placed within us, the seal of the spirit, the promise of the future, the spirit <clears throat> of our inheritance, the spirit that is God. And the spirit of God likes to sing. Just look at creation. All creation sings. Uh, the ancient uh, doctor of the church, um, Hildegard of Bingen in the 10th century, 11th century, she, she said every, uh, you know, the creation was a symphony. Water had its part and fire had its, she went through the elements, each had its part. She said at the fall, uh, humanity's part just got all marred and distorted, but in Christ the song began again. And we often miss those songs of creation, but we miss the songs that the Spirit wants to give to redeemed humanity. And I would encourage you to do some clearing. Do some silence. It's really hard at first. But what might come up? Um, and so the silence that is here in this eighth chapter of Revelation is a silence that is leading into something. And I don't think that what is coming afterwards could have been, it. You needed the silence to pick it up on it. Because we've had this dramatic, dramatic worship, loud voices proclaiming. And then there comes something else. Here comes this angel that stepped out. Not one of the seven that's given a trumpet. They're not blowing those yet. 
And this angel just comes forward. It's given a censer. Have you ever been in services where there's the censer of the incense? Sometimes they're huge. Um, in Santiago de Compostela in Spain, uh, if any of you ever walked the, the, the Santiago de Compostela, the, the trail, the, the path, the, the pilgrim way, you know, they start in France. Anybody here done that? You start in France, half? Okay. And you go all the way there in northern Spain over to Santiago. How far did you go? Okay. Yeah, but that you were on that path, and it's such an ancient path. You know, thousands of years they've been walking this path. And I didn't walk the path, but I was in Santiago when the pilgrims came in. I would sit in the evening and watch them come in and wash at this big fountain. But on the Sunday service... Uh, they read the names of the pilgrims, and this is to an ancient practice to mirror reading the names of the pilgrims who come into the heavenly city. Like, who do we have here today? They've come a long way, and, and we welcome them. John Bunyan picked up on that in his Pilgrim's Progress. And so I remember hearing the names, and the pilgrims would stand, and then there came this botofumera, the, the big censor, if you've seen that movie, The Way, um, where that sensor is on a big chain, and it is uh, a group over here and a group over there, so it would go from one side of this building to the other, and as it went, it would be releasing incense. It's just massive incense there. And I can see that this sensor that this angel had, probably massive in, uh, sensor, and he takes that and he goes and he um, goes there to where the, the, um, uh, the fire is before the throne of God. And he's given a great quantity of incense. And this is the strange metaphysics mixed with the prayers of the saints. The prayers that you prayed this morning mixed in there. The prayers that you pray in private, mixed in there. The prayers of your ancestors, mixed in there. The prayers of those yet to be born are mixed in there. There's not a prayer that's lost. In God's economy, in God's great economy, nothing is lost. Can you imagine that? You needed silence for this. And I imagine, try to imagine the sound there of those prayers. I think it's sort of like the sound of the glory of God, which is, I've heard it referenced in scripture by Ezekiel and people who have actually been in services where this happened, where there's like the sound of mighty waters. It's like the sound of mighty waters that is there. And this angel then takes this censer and brings it and then throws it on the earth. Um, I believe that the prayers of the saints accomplish the purposes of God. And God's purposes now are being seen in this chapter of Revelation. For the kingdoms of this earth are going to go away. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And our prayers are part of the judgment of the earth. Our prayers take down Babylon. We pray for Ukraine. We pray against the dictators, the uh, authoritarian governments, the, the, um, the ones in North Korea. Those are just preparatory. Those are preparatory. For the great beast is still out there. And the, the sense of the empires of this world will one day all fall. All of them, including the U.S., are all gone. So that the kingdom of God and the earth will come together. The heavens, heaven and earth will embrace. And the kingdom of God comes to earth. And God will make his eternal home. So we don't get to go to heaven. Guess what? Heaven comes and we, heaven and earth, embrace and there's a swallowing up. I don't know that metaphysics either. But there's going to be some grand uh, unity 
and a whole cosmic harmony again. And our prayers are part of that. So our prayers have this apocalyptic power and this sense that God is at work. God is um, speaking in our prayers. And when we pray, like I said, this is an ancient space, but prayer is entering into the communion with God. Union, communion with God. It's the fellowship. Jesus said, I will not leave you as orphans, but I will come to you, Father, and I will make our home with you. And where we are, you can be. So that prayer is just communion in the house of God. Living as we do in God's presence at all times. We are already, I kind of see it as the ready room for eternity. We are already in the house of God. We're already in God, with God. So that when we pray, we are just entering into the space of God's presence. Father, Son, and Spirit, we are part of that life. And so prayer is communion. It is unity. It is joy. It is uh, fellowship. It is a sense of being, just being with, just being with. So prayer can have words, prayer can have groans, prayer can have sighs, prayer can have tears, prayer can have joy, prayer can just be silent. It is, I am with. And it's to hear, prayer is hearing, to listen and to speak. It's, it's this dialogue communion with God. God speaks, we hear, we speak, God listens. And this wonderful, joyful union of prayer. There are times, I think, that we need to set aside, like here at church, as well as on a regular daily basis, where a time and a space where we pray is part of our lives. But I also believe that the deeper we go into God, that we are always praying. That we're always in fellowship. And that's one thing that this Lenten silence helps me realize is that I can live in that, that space. It's like, it's not like, you can just say, I have 10 minutes here. I, I want to... I, I, I'm in fellowship with you, Lord. I just, these 10 minutes I've got. Instead of pulling out your smartphone when you're at a place where you're waiting um, at a doctor's office or someplace, this is what you can do. You can just sit there and say, I'm going to enter into the space. I'm going to have some time. I'm going to commune with God. And it is a delightful space. It's a wonderful space. It's so portable because it's everywhere. Transtemporal. It's everywhere. So you don't have to go someplace specific because God is there everywhere. And wherever you are, God is. And uh, the saints is a phrase in Scripture we often see that we're so far from that. But it's for all the people who are in Christ. So the prayers of the saints are always ongoing around the world, and we're just participating in that. And in the times, the little times that you can draw from that, what that does is that it builds your prayer life into you are prayer. You just don't pray, but you are prayer. And that the space between you and eternity just can grow very thin. Very thin. And I know there are people throughout the ages who have devoted themselves to prayer. They teach us a lot. They are those who, you know, in our Pentecostal tradition, we call them the prayer warriors. But they're there are those in the monasteries, there are those wherever they're praying all the time. And not all of us are called to, to that. 
but we are all called into a life of prayer. Into a life of prayer. It doesn't need to be in times of desperate need. Oh, I need that parking lot there at Target. I need that parking space. That's all right. But there's other times when we just want to have some fellowship with God, to be loved on by God, to be with God, to, to be in harmony with God, to hear God speak, and then to pray intercession for whomever we might see, who might need it. So intercession is, is part of prayer, but sometimes it's too often reduced to intercession. It's part of it. But there's this whole other larger dimension of prayer that I think that we miss. It's an eternal space. Um, and that's where past, present, and future come together. So Revelation 8, past, present, and future are coming together. Is it future? Yes. Is it past? Yes. They're the prayers of the saints. Yeah. Is it present? Yes. So it's, it's a mix. It's a unity of the past, the present, and the future in this real sacred and mysterious space of prayer. And we can live in that space now. That's what I hope you can hear me say this today. You can live in that space now. Now is the place for to live in it. And when you go through the hard times, if you have already lived in that space, you're prepared. Because if you're not living in it and you get into some real hard times, you're really going to need to get into that space. And it's like, I don't know how to pray. And there are times when our grief is so bad and our distress is so overwhelming that we can't really pray, and we need others to join us in that. So don't feel bad if you feel like, oh, I, I can't pray. That's, that's okay. God still holds you. God still, there are times when you're aware of it more than others. And there may be times when you feel like it just, there, your prayers are ascending to this iron ceiling. That's okay too. It's, it's okay. As long as you see that this is a way uh, prayer is a way, a journey. It's a life, and it's a vocation, it's a calling, it's a delight, it's a joy. It's, it's um, the life of God. It's, uh, it is. It's, it's, it's going in and participating in the life of God. And it's such a wonderful um, privilege we have to be invited into the very life of God. See, some people see salvation as, oh, I'm going to give you this ticket to heaven. You've made your decision. Here you go. You get the ticket. And nothing really changes. It'll all change in the by and by. I don't have that view of salvation. I view salvation is that when I come to Christ, I step in on the way. And I step into the fellowship I step into a river of grace that's going to take me deeper and deeper and deeper into God. With God and into God. The ancients called it theosis, becoming more and more like God. And so that God's love is our love. We love as God loves. We, uh, we grieve at what God grieves over. We see what God sees because we are going deeper and deeper into that life so that our heart is being made perfect in love. Good Wesleyan thing there. You know, our heart is being made perfect in that love. And it's such a delightful communion and fellowship. Such a delightful. You get to become the portal uh, the Orthodox understand icons like um, thin space portals that kind of merge heaven and earth. They're pedagogical, but they're also liturgical in the sense that um, they mirror. And they, they also say that um, what is the best icon? A living icon. That's the best one. So 
you get to be the thin space. You get to be the portal. You get to be the one through whom the light from the future streams into the present. So when you walk into the room, you're announcing the future. When you are with people, they get to know God's presence. You don't have to say a lot. Just be who you are. Be that presence. I'm reading a book um, that hasn't come out yet. I was supposed to do a blurb for it. Andrew Arndt, he, he's a, at a church in Denver. And he's taking the desert fathers and mothers there in the 4th century, 5th century, and talking about them. But he weaves in the saints that he knows from childhood and life. So you may go from some ancient hermit out in the desert to Sister Betty he knew when he was a child. And he starts talking about her. And, he, and I began to cry reading this because he said her husband died when she was about 60. And she said, so Lord, what am I to do with the rest of my life and all? And, and he said, why don't you just be with me? And so she said, all right, I'll do that. And so she went, started going deeper and deeper into the life of God. And in his little church in Minnesota, she was the one that you went to when you needed help and prayer. You needed God to, uh, we used to say, get somebody to get a hold of God. You know, you went to her. People... (laughs) People, she was about less than five feet tall. And he said, I was in a meeting. I was a teenager. I was at a meeting. She's there. She was going to offer the benediction or prayer for us. And she said, oh, 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 do you see? I see Jesus here. And then suddenly, in good Pentecostal form, people began to fall on the floor. Just falling Everybody was falling on the floor. She didn't touch anybody. She didn't blow any on anybody. She just said, I see Jesus here. And whoa. He said, yeah, as a teenager, that makes an impression. It makes a real impression. You don't need all the smoke and junk. Do you? you can just have a five-foot woman say, I see Jesus here. And he's there. And he comes. So we all are allowed in and invited in and called in. Some have, I think, a more like Sister Betty and the the ones in the desert there in the 5th century, 4th century. But all of us are called into that space, that life. We are allowed to see Jesus. Who knows? Who knows who is here today that God has called you into a very deep space for you to be the intercessor, for you to be the icon, for you to be the presence. Because in these times in which we live, we need the presence. And the only way the presence comes is through us. And the more we spend in that presence, and this is the incense part too, there's a fragrance There's a fragrance to that. Real, real fragrance to that. A friend of mine's mother was dying and she was having what the old Methodists call a happy death. She was taking her time. And so the family came in and they thought, how long is it going to be? And she was just in her bed talking to the angels and this and that and... Finally, they all fell asleep one night, and my friend, Joyce, woke up about four in the morning, and her sister woke up, and they smelled this, like when you walk into a funeral home and all these flowers are there, you know, or florists walk into a florist, and they, who has just brought flowers in? This, you know, where, it was so overwhelming, and they went into their mother's room, and she had gone, but had left this fragrance the fragrance there of the presence. Stench of death, Paul says, we bear the stench of death. The cross, we're going into that stench of death there. But there's also the fragrance of life, he says. And 
and we bear the fragrance of life as we go forward. Stench of death, fragrance of life, all interwoven over us. And that, uh, even is in Revelation, it's the lamb who's slain, so there is the stench of death there. But there is the incense and the other prayers of the saints. So it's a wonderful, wonderful space to be. I invite you in this time of Lent, as you go together, that you go together into some sacred space, that you go together into a place that is very mysterious and deep and ancient and new and eternal. There's the place of the divine life. You may pass away and you think, well, the prayers that I've prayed are gone. Every prayer you pray is still alive. My husband's mother was one of those hours a day prayer warriors that we were all afraid of, really, literally, because God told her things. And she prayed over us and her, our children, and I see my children, she's been dead 20 years almost. I see my children walking in those prayers. They're still alive. They're still efficacious. They're before the throne. They're there. And her prayers will be part of that the angel picks up in that censer. And I can rest to know that even though she's passed away, her prayers are continuing with that. So I'm going to pray, uh, play for you a prayer from the late 1980s by one of the saints that I have been blessed to know a bit. Reverend Margaret Gaines. You've heard of Margaret Gaines. Yeah. She um, was called to be a missionary at the age of 18, 19. Took a steamer ship. Oh, it was, she was called to the Arabs. And so she took a steamer ship over to Tunisia where she stayed a few years and then she ended up in um, a little Palestinian village called Aboud, which is in the West Bank, and ministered there for 40 years. As a pastor, she started a school, raised up a generation of Christians, and even the Muslims in the village, they saw her as the village's holy woman. And when there were Scud missiles coming in from the wars over there, the whole village would get into her little house because they felt like if they could get with her, um, she, they would be protected. She had a love for the Palestinians. She had a love for God. And uh, she, she was one of those people who could see what others could not see. And she, I remember, you know, she could be somewhere in the back seat of a car and you would hear her talking to the Lord. Like, they're all back there. The, the Trinity's back there with you, right, Margaret? She's saying, oh, Lord. She's just going on. So she lived that sort of life with God. Life with God. So in, in the 1980s, she was asked to pray an opening, a prayer at the Church of God General Assembly. And I have it down on my iPhone, and I play it from time to time. And that prayer comes alive because it's still alive. Mm -hmm. And it's a prayer that is in my heart. It's an, it's an efficacious prayer. And she's praying for the babes, all of us, the young ones here. She said, Lord, these babes, they haven't seen your glory. They don't know what your glory looks like. Would you show them your glory? So if you don't mind, I'm going to just let Sister Margaret pray over you this morning.
Just stand with me. You know, Margaret Gaines just prayed over you. Some of you weren't born when she prayed that prayer, but she was praying for you. That we would all know the glory of God. That we would all come to know that which is even now hidden, but shall be revealed. So at this time of Lent, I want to encourage you to come into the presence, to be, as Margaret said, enchanted, captivated, to where you would go to the ends of the earth because you have found the pearl, the great, wonderful gift. Lord, I ask along with Margaret, that you would show forth your presence among your people. For it is only that presence, it is only that glory which shall sustain us in these times. There are wars and rumors of wars. There's fear, there are pandemics. But we have a safe and secure space in you, O Lord. You call us there. It is such a delightful space. It is such a safe place. You sing over us there. Your wings cover us. And we are held. We are held by you. Come, Lord Jesus, this morning into our lives. Make this, make this sanctuary a place where your glory dwells, a place where the prayers of the saints come for you as incense. May the sweet savor of your presence be found here. May we be known, O oh Lord, as those who bear forth the fragrance of life. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Know that the Lord is calling you loves you with an everlasting love. There's nothing that you have done that keeps you in shame that he cannot release that. You are welcome into this space.
you are welcome into this space. The great love of God is reaching for you today. Hallelujah. create a little bit of space to respond to the Father.
just going to continue to keep this space prayerful. If you'd like to stay in the sanctuary, receive prayer, come up front. It truly was a gift to be with you today, to be present with you as we are present with Jesus. I pray that you would be a thin space this week. Father, I thank you for today. for joining us today, and please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.